what he said to be true He said we're here for a good time Welcome to episode number 34 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we've already shaved three strokes off of our handicap. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Hausam for this, our season finale episode of Artificial Turf Wars. How are you doing tonight, Josh? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. All good Although I was dancing along to that song, so well, that, that yeah. helped. I mean, it, it, no baseball season lasts forever, right? <laughs> this was Sun just, can't shine every day. No, this is just a little bit premature. Just maybe, what, seven wins short of where we wanted to be? At least three. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the World Series was kind of the bar there. But, alas, it was not to be. I'd like to say that I'm, I'm really broken up about all this. Um, but I, I was broken up when they went down 3-0 and and as as it is i've had, had some time for it to all sink in where are you at well it's kind of the same way i mean once they got down so far it was just sort of playing with house money it's like if they came back great but yeah well you know it's like you're kind of in trouble your tweet about the radiation poisoning from a couple days ago was pretty good <laughs> You can read it out loud for the folks if you I like. I was proud of myself. It was is being down 3-0 in a playoff series is like having radiation poisoning. Uh, you look okay. You feel fine right now. But in a few days, you'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. It's just like, well, they're going to let you play again. Uh, but you make one tiny little mistake. You have one off game, like Marco Estrada, say, not being able to locate his fastball particularly well today. And that's it. Goodbye was all she wrote. Um, I don't want to drag too many cliches out here. I, I think uh, we have to <laughs> the look... The cliches of the week. <laughs> yeah, the cliches of the, of the season. Um, yeah. I think, number one, that's, that's if there is a disappointment, it's that th- this pitching staff that did so much more than any of us imagined it was going to do as a whole ended up continuing to do that and did not get I don't think justly rewarded for all of the all of the success that they they could have had with a slightly more uh well-timed offense. Yeah, I mean, they sort of, you know, died the way that they lived the season. Last last year when the team gave up four or more runs, they were 33 and 56, which is not very good, but it was the second best record in the league. This year, in those same moments when they gave up four more runs, they were twenty and fifty-seven, which was good for eighteenth. They just, you know, they did—they didn't record. Re- yeah, they—they <laughs> they didn't perform for their pitchers when they were not great. Mm-hmm. They needed—they needed excellence, or they didn't win. And that's a lot of pressure to put on. And then, uh, like we alluded to a few podcasts ago, there were no more Minnesota Twins coming down the pipe. There were no more Tampa Bay Rays teams you know in in the future that some of those 89 wins were picked up off of off of soft targets you know and uh and the target by the time you've i mean i'm surprised that they swept texas i did not see that coming yeah well it's interesting you know if you told me that that they were gonna hit darvish and hamels but not hit ryan merritt 
Josh Tomlin and a bullpen game, I would have said you were crazy. Yeah, and I think I thought when they did sweep Texas, because of who they hit and how hard they hit them, I thought, well, the approach appears to have vastly improved, but maybe those were just two guys having an off night, not able to locate what they wanted where they wanted. Yeah, and it certainly could be that. But whatever it was, you know, they, the Indians pitchers did what Cleveland. a lot of teams. Yeah, sorry, the Clevelands. <laughs> uh, the pitchers did a lot of what a lot of teams were doing to the Blue Jays down the stretch. A lot of soft pitches, breaking balls, and then fastballs that were only on the outside edge. Yeah. Now, let's go back to Jose Bautista and circumstances. In your mind, what were the circumstances that he was upset about? Well, I think he was just upset about, in general, that the umpiring was calling a lot of pitches off the plate for strikes. And then, so, premature, well before the late normal segment do-over, to everybody who ran with that comment, and ignoring the following line where he said, but it's been the same for both teams. Well, that would have just been boring. It's like, oh, circumstances, he's making excuses, saying, oh, you know, it's like they're, 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 there's bias, and they're, they're rigging it for the Indians. The Clevelands, no. He was just saying that the umpiring was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, he can't say he can't say either of those things. The one that everyone accused him of saying or that the umpiring's bad without exposing himself to a fine and discipline, right? So yeah. he's he's not playing shy to to necessarily be cute. Uh, he's doing it yeah, because... Yeah, he just doesn't want to lose money. <laughs> yeah, he, he started saying something and he realized... I, I would bet he, he started saying it, realized he couldn't quite stop and decided to you know kind of make it a little bit obscure so he maybe got himself obviously out of the out of the direct spotlight of of any discipline i i think the other thing that he, I, I don't know if he was complaining about it but certainly it is a is a difficult thing for the hitters is hitting in late afternoon games that's i, I don't want to use the s word because we make fun of broadcasters for using it but i wonder if constantly being in suboptimal conditions for hitting unless you're under the dome and at a weird time of day that you're not used to playing at if all of that sort of you know has the potential to throw you off just just enough to get under your skin yeah i mean it could be a number of things like that it was definitely different from what they were used to playing in all season and they didn't well although they hit the way they did all season who knows (laughs) I mean, uh, how fitting an end was it that they got shut down by a pus-balling lefty, the way they, the, team, the type of pitcher that they crushed last year and that owned them all season? Yep. Without any real explanation of, of why finding a uh, a way to hit an 86-mile-an-hour cutter or a 71-mile-an-hour curveball is, is literally mission impossible. I, I don't know. It, it is what it is, right? Like they weren't going to suddenly figure it all out, but it, you would have figured over the course of the last two, two and a half months of the season that at least a couple of these guys who are professionals in in every sense of the word would have made some adjustment, would have would have been able to pick up the patterns that were coming and and you know deal with them. But they never really did. They they made it in on on hitting guys who weren't doing that, who weren't executing. As soon as, as soon as that, yeah, round and round we go. Yeah. You know, it was just all season. The hitting didn't quite adjust to what was happening to them, and that's it. (laughs) 
And that's why they, they were the wild card team and not the division winner, right? Um, mind you, it, it's, it, it is a credit to any team that gets to the final four. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this isn't, they weren't, you know, like some uh, god awful offensive team. They were still in the top 10 in the league and runs scored, and their pitching was excellent. Oh, yeah. As but, you mentioned, at the top. Yeah, and, uh, and that's awesome. It, it's, it's hard to feel like something's awesome on the day you, you know, you have to watch your team go home and pack its bags and everything else. But I, I still, even though Marco Estrada did not have a great game and he gave up three runs, the, the only reason he lost was he, he literally had to be better than perfect to win that game. Yeah, I mean, and the first one was, it was technically, it was unearned because Ezekiel Carrera missed the ball in the outfield. But, you know, in the end, he still went six innings and gave up three runs, two earned. It's a pretty good start, and that should be good enough to at least keep you in a ball game. And then they were out, and they were never even threatening. Yeah, I, I did the recap today because it was uh, somehow fell to me. I got the short straw, possibly. And, the shortest possible straw. Yeah, the, literally the last straw, maybe, is what I got. Did they have a runner on third base all day? I couldn't find one. No, they did not. So, yeah, it's not on Marco Estrada, and it's certainly not on uh, you know Aaron Sanchez, even though he had that rough start in the ALDS. Like you can't have pitchers who are perfect every night. But I was never in doubt of, of whichever of those four starters. And if for some strange reason they had to to you know turn around and someone got hurt and they had to go to Francisco Liriano for four or five innings, I wouldn't have hesitated on that either i cannot remember a team where i was this confident in any member of the starting rotation with apologies to ra dickie who seems to have fallen completely off the chart yeah well he's wasn't really a member of the rotation in september and then and you just to take it a step farther all of this talk about the vaunted rangers bullpen the vaunted cleveland bullpen how many runs did the blue jays bullpen give up in this postseason greg i'm i'm gonna guess less than three two <laughs> they threw 26 and two-thirds innings and gave up two runs. One of those runs scored on the line drive off of Francisco Liriano's head. <laughs> and they did it without Joaquin Benoit. Yeah, the only runs that were scored were off Francisco Liriano in that one inning in the eighth. Otherwise, every single pitcher threw up zeros for the entire postseason. That's incredible. So it's even more incredible that they got got killed in a, an LCS with all of that. That's That's... This has been the disease, though, of every team in the playoffs is is solidly unspectacular hitting or spectacular pitching, whichever way you want to go. But I, I, I don't know. What do you blame? What one begets the other? I guess. Yeah, it's, I think it's just a combination of both. The you know Cleveland pitched the Jays very well. They every, like I said, everything was curveballs, breaking balls, and on the outside corner. But at the same time, the Jays did get some mistake pitches that they didn't hit. They didn't, you know, they didn't adjust the way they were being attacked. So it's both. They, they were pitched very well, and they didn't adjust and hit well either. And all now, Matt Corey made an interesting point, though, but this is exactly what Cleveland did to Boston in the first round. You know, Boston pitched well, their bullpen was excellent, and they were a great hitting team that just it just didn't work. Which, which makes it interesting for the next round because either the Cubs or the Dodgers are going to go in against Cleveland, and they're going to face exactly the same thing. And I, I, I'm curious if that. You know, if there is a uh, a hole in a chink in that armor somewhere, I mean, I think there is. Uh, the, against Boston, they didn't have to throw a game where they had the bullpen going for tw in two out of five games. 
right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't expect that, you know, eight and a third innings of relief in one game and then Ryan Merritt starting another to shut down too many teams. It did it to the Jays, but it's tough to win games like that. Would you like to talk about the reason that they had to go eight and a third innings in that game? Would you like to revisit that? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the pleasure, Greg. Go for it. <laughs> that was one of the grossest things I have ever seen on a baseball field. Trevor Bauer and his pinky finger that was about, I would say, 20 stitches short of whatever it needed to be to stay in one piece. <laughs> he looked like he had some kind of movie blood tube running down his arm. I was I was half expecting uh, a squib to like explode in his chest when the, the guy patted him on the back or something. It was just <laughs> ridiculous. So here he is trying to bleed on the dark part of his uniform. <laughs> so nobody notices. But I don't know how you don't notice because the pitching rubber is covered in blood. And the baseball. Yeah, everything is just, it's, it's literally a bloody mess. And the umpires, I'm assuming the rule states that the other manager has to request that they go look at the ball. Like, is that the rule? Can the umpire... I think the umpire can do it themselves, but the umpire probably just wasn't paying attention. You know, he's looking for balls and strikes and not looking at the actual baseball. <laughs> with, with this patch of darkness that flutters toward the plate, and I, I don't know. I just... Uh, John Gibbons' saunter out there was hilarious to me. He was just this very, very casual, yeah. Um, do you want to uh, maybe take a look at that ball before he... Uh, bleeds out <laughs> <laughs> and then he asked the fans to do a crying jordan of his bloody finger yeah and somebody did there's a little jordan yeah. head every drop down. was jordan head yeah <laughs> it's bizarre like you know it's like maybe trevor hold off on fixing the drone until the season's finished <laughs> haven't we all had a drone accident josh of one that we we uh 3d printed parts of ourselves <laughs> haven't we all been there Oh, yeah, every day. It's hard to go through life without drone accidents from 3D printed parts. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish that game had turned out better because, man, was it hilarious to start off with. And gross. It's just so gross. It was, I don't know. Uh, apparently, did you hear the story uh, today that came out that he was not really keen on the stitches himself? He had an alternative method for wanting the thing yeah he wanted the... to sear the skin closed yeah he wanted to cauterize it and then when they refused to do it he considered at least briefly using the soldering iron in his room uh that's a really good way to lose a finger <laughs> yeah he doesn't seem like the brightest guy but yeah whatever they're well, going through the world not, series he's not the brightest guy he thinks that the phantom menace is the best star wars movie all right that's it forget him he's a terrible person exactly we out uh plus he uh apparently doesn't like canada but we went through all that before oh what other series highlights and lowlights do we have well i think we should mention that you know despite the fact that he it seems like he might need a new hip josh donaldson was absolutely incredible absolutely and on on defense even more so than on offense oh both i mean he hit what 430 in the series hmm or in the postseason? For a guy who has no hip, the amount of running and diving he did uh, just blew my mind. Like, he was clearly sacrificing himself and, and, and not, you know, his performance on any end wasn't suffering for it. So, uh, five points, thumbs up. He's, he's such a yeah. boss. And he's not I mean, free. they won one game, and it was on the pitching side, Aaron Sanchez won it. And on the hitting side, it was Donaldson. 
you know, he hit the home run to go ahead, and then he made that diving play that kept it a tie, uh, kept the Jays in the lead. If it's a tie game, and all of a sudden you're seeing Andrew Miller's coming in and Cody Allen instead of Brian Shaw and I can't even, Steve Clevenger. Sorry, not Steve Clevenger. <laughs> the Mike Clevenger. Yeah, you got to spell Clevenger differently too. I did not know yeah. there were two spellings of Clevenger until the other night. So there you go. Today I learned. <laughs> something. But anyway, so it was huge. Yeah. You know who else was great in the postseason? Michael Saunders. Yeah. What? Michael Saunders, who was dead on arrival in September, and, and he and Russell Martin formed like this secret black hole in the lineup, and he was he was getting benched and everything else. And he came to life. He had an opposite field home run. Yeah, he hit 381 with a 409 on base percentage and a 571 slugging in his postseason games. I was like, I don't understand. What What did he remember? What did he did he wake up one morning and realize? But oh what's, yeah. But what's hilarious? He still struck out in half his at bats. He either a, struck out or got a hit. That's the Justin Smoke method, isn't it? No, no Justin no, Smoke method. Strike out or walk. Yeah, you never put never put the bat on the ball if you're Justin Smoke. Uh, something I I noticed already, but I really noticed in this this postseason is BJ Upton when he strikes out, he likes to do it looking. I know I'm gonna call him BJ Upton as long as he strikes out. That's my feeling. Yeah, he strikes out swinging a lot too. He just strikes out a lot. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I'm I'm not. I understand that pickup, you know, in the long term context, but he, he's kind of a a weird. A weird pickup. He he literally is the I assume the emergency stopgap in case they can't pick up another outfielder in the off season, isn't he? Well, I, he is, but I thought you know, he I thought he was a useful pickup for this season. He gave him some speed off the bench, and a guy who can hit left handed pitching is a good outfielder. He just, you know, he he didn't play that well. I mean, he still hit a home run in the first series. He hit he had a seven ninety five OPS in the postseason. Mm. Got that see, huge double off Dykeman. There was just a lot of that striking out it, it kind of overshadows the other stuff even though on the aggregate yeah, he i understand does. he's going to strike out a ton and mm-hmm. his at bat in the game five was like you got one plate appearance and that's how you he didn't even swing <laughs> and it was a fastball down the middle to strike out uh it's the old, well what were you waiting for was it a particular color <laughs> Is it... yeah he's looking for one of those red trevor bauer balls uh ezekiel carrera made his case that uh, Melvin Upton should not be the the fourth outfielder or the third outfielder. Yeah, two triples, back to back games. Yeah, Zeke was and he didn't play well in this last game, but he was star. He you know, they wouldn't even where they were without Zeke. <laughs> Who thought I was going to be saying that? <laughs> I, I there's so many weird things that happen in the small series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people, of course, I think they remember that small series and they take it in the next season and they go oh I remember Carrera was a pretty good player yes. yeah we're going to actually get questions about that oh about well Carrera and his role going forward well we have a lot of questions So, but before I go to the questions is there anything that you feel we've glossed over and or missed about the ALCS not really um no. The starting pitching was good. The bullpen was even better. The hitting sucked. <laughs> we, I think we went in that pretty deeply. And Cleveland, you know, congrats to them. They they did very well. And, you know, they used their bullpen to its maximum effect, and it helped. They won. Uh, okay, briefly, before we go to the questions, what do you think about the, the unconventional bullpen usage and whether or not this will carry over into next year's regular season since 
you know, nobody's head exploded by them doing this. Uh, I saw a tweet. It was by uh, Drew Fair Service. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like... It, Some it, manager if, will use this method and they will go it, 60, go 60 and, 20. and 20 in the first half. <laughs> and then they'll... I can't remember the... I, I don't want to do the math. But they'll just like, tank in the second half and they'll mutiny. Yeah. You can't do that for an entire season. You will kill your pitchers. Which is fair. I just wonder if the the principle can be applied more lightly, i.e., uh, no, you can't ask Andrew Miller for six outs every time. But can you convince him that those three outs in the seventh with a man on second and the heart of the order coming up are more important than the three outs in the eighth and get him to buy into that consistently? I think you can, and I think teams have done that before. I think, and part of the reason I think that Cleveland was able to do it because they also have Cody Allen. I don't know if Terry Francona does that if he just has Andrew Miller. Right, because you have to finish the game, and you can't, you know, you don't know that you're going to score runs. Which, but I, I heard today that Cleveland, despite both of these series wins, has not scored a run after the seventh inning in the entire playoffs. <laughs> That's interesting, but yeah, it's just you can't assume that. You're going to do that, right? You can, that you're going to get the Wills runs later. And I honestly don't know if he only has the one elite reliever if he pitches them this way. It'll be interesting. So if you're a team like the Yankees this past season or the season before, they could have done that. But yeah. they did not. Well, they sort of did. I mean, Batansis was coming in in the seventh of me a lot. But they had a three-headed monster, right? So they Well, had... not two years ago, though. Hmm. And, they nearly, and I think they've nearly killed Batansis. Yeah, he might never throw another pitch in his life that's in the strike zone because his arm is just done. <laughs> All right, on on the on that odd note about Della Batonsis, let's uh, start with that big list of questions. Because you, the fans, deserve our completely uninformed answers about things. Yeah, this is going to be kind of like the uh, the user user listener interaction episode because there's not much else to talk about. And you guys had lots of questions. Uh, all right, we will start with number one, our homegrown question, and get it out of the way. Uh, Dave Church asks asks why didn't John Gibbons tell the hitters to hit more home runs? Because he's the worst manager, Greg. Fire gobbles. Gobbins. I hate that. Don't ever say that garbage. That's as bad as the people who want him fired. <laughs> I hate that stuff. <laughs> it's, it's okay, Josh. It's, it's a safe place. Uh, no, because, you just ruined my happy place. Because he's a bad... I, I haven't mentioned any other sports, and I'm not going to. So we're good. Yeah. Um, we actually got some questions about people wanting Mr. Gibbons to be relieved of his duties. What, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike Fenwick said, "Can we please fire Gibby now?" What would um, we like him to please do instead of what he did? Did he did he manage the bullpen badly? Did he put the wrong starting pitchers out there? Did did he uh, did he juggle the lineup to put the guy with the highest on base percentage at the top of the lineup when Carrera looked like he was cooling off? Did did he well, get the bloody it, ball out of Trevor Powers' hand? <laughs> So there actually were a couple things that, you know, I don't know whether they would have won the games, but there were a couple times where I thought he had missteps. Like, we got a question about this, about when Deion Navarro got that hit today off Andrew Miller, and for some reason, they did not send in a pinch runner. This is from Matty Hot Dogs. Do you think Pompey could have broken up that double play? 
Oh, yeah. It wasn't a double play. It was just a force play at second. I don't care if it's Dalton Pompey. I don't care if it's Ryan Goins. Marcus Stroman. It doesn't matter. There's no excuse for letting DeAndre Navarro run there. And it costs them a chance at having Bautista up as the tying run. I, I don't dispute that he makes mistakes. Absolutely. Do I think he makes any more mistakes than a typical to above average MLB manager? No. Like the idea that he's horrible is what bothers me. It's yeah. like, What's, which actually leads to this other question too from uh, at Grumble or at Free Genie S, which is Grumble Pie. Did Gibbons get outmanaged by Francona? Yeah, he he did, but you know it was Francona also had more weapons. Uh, Gibby probably shouldn't have sent Stroman out for the sixth, but it happens. But the next question was, do you think Gibby is a good enough manager to get to a World Series? Absolutely, yes. Right. Hmm. I mean, he's he's. In my mind, in addition to being a crapshoot, all playoff series are essentially created equal. They're all small samples where you're working with a kind of a weird permutation of your roster. He's got through a wild card game. He's got through a, a series where they were down with their backs against the wall. He's he's navigated them against the team with the most wins in the American League, uh, with technically a superior team in some aspects. Uh, he got them through on a sweep. Nothing he's done um, is, you know, it says he can't win a playoff series. His guys show up for him. This isn't a, this isn't a Billy Beans team um, where they just wash out every time in the first round for some strange reason. <laughs> yeah, that's really bizarre. Uh, yeah, I mean, this goes back to, again, Dave Churchison. He couldn't just tell the hitters to hit more home runs. They got, the best hitters on this team, other than Donaldson, just didn't hit. So if they had hit, the Jays are probably going to the World Series. Yep. Yeah, and there, there's, you know, the, the, I would say any any manager who's guided his team through the long 162 is probably good enough to take them all the way to the World Series because there's just a ton of luck involved. Yeah, exactly. Next. Uh, Got a couple of these ones, too. <laughs> From Spork V. Well, I'll get to his first part of the question after, but why does it hurt so bad? <laughs> from Jason Dakins, why does everything hurt? <laughs> subtle, guys. Really subtle. And from Zaheer, what are you drinking to dull the pain? Uh, I did mention yesterday that I, I thought there might be a run on um, graham crackers, marshmallows, and Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> the official snack of artificial turf wars <laughs> for all your Blue Jays losses needs. Uh, um, why does it hurt? It hurts because we care. Alternatively, if you're really philosophical, it hurts because it would have felt so good to win. And they have to balance out. It's, it's deep. <laughs> yeah, I think he covered that nicely. But here was the rest of Luke's question. Okay. What do we look forward to next year? A lot of people turn the page here. Well book's over man i know how it ends it's disappointing uh i'm not saying it's wrong <laughs> could have used a twist uh what do you look forward to next year uh, i mean i look forward to this rotation coming back you you could say with joe biagini you're looking at six guys which is what you want who who have the potential to start and throw 200 innings in the major leagues 
that's exceedingly yeah. rare for any pitching staff to have that. Now, do I think that's going to be a problem by the time spring training gets here? No, I don't, because it's never the case that six guys remain exactly as effective and healthy as they were six months ago. That never happens. But uh, it, it is something to look forward to. Absolutely. I, I kind of look forward to um, what middle-of-the-order hitters Troy Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson are going to do next year. I'm kind of curious because those guys, barring them re-signing Encarnacion or Bautista, those two guys are going to be the guys in this lineup going forward. Uh, they're both under control. Uh, they're both excellent hitters. I'm curious to know how how they respond to being the guy instead of some guy who hits uh, hits fifth or sixth. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, I mean, Donaldson has been the guy for a while, but there's not the the only guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Chilo's been the guy before, right, in Colorado. Yeah, that's why I'm, I, I think it'd be interesting to see because when he got to Toronto, he didn't seem very comfortable. And then as time's gone yeah, on, he's going to be his in. team with Donaldson as opposed to Bautista and Edwin's team. Yeah, and if you look at those two guys on the left side of the infield, that changes the character because they're always together and they're always you know working together. So it, it changes the complexion of it. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, so next question, can we do Brian Clement's question? Is that a good one? Go for it. Uh, that's at Brian F.H. Clement. Does Bautista get extended a qualifying offer? And if so, does he accept? Qualifying offer is $17 million this year. Yeah, $17.2 million. That extra 200000 is important. It's the car insurance. Million. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's absolutely getting a qualifying offer. Yep. There's no chance that they're not going to. They'd take Bautista back for one year at 17 million in a heartbeat. But he... at the same time, there's zero percent chance he's accepting it. <laughs> no chance. He's 36. He's not playing for a big contract next offseason. He's going to take the biggest deal he can get right now. Yeah. Yeah, because the odds of him, even him, believing that his age 36 season is going to reveal something that his age 30, uh, something fantastic for him that the age 35 season did not, I think, are zero. Yeah. So, yeah, he's worth what he's worth now. That's only going to go down. So he'll take, like you said, the biggest offer he can get. And it's not going to be one year. Nope. Uh, Quinn, Sweetser. Q Sweets or 17. Now, Quinn. Finally got used, the Twitter. Yeah. Used to ask us all the email questions. So now the questions have to be a little bit shorter. But uh, yeah, if, if y'all were wondering, you can now follow Quinn on Twitter if you're up to it. What was your favorite <laughs> moment from this season? Oh, geez. I, I think it, at this point, it just it has to be Edwin's walk off against Baltimore. That, that's a I can't think of a better thing than that. Uh, yeah, it's, I think we're going to, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to commit to this one. We're going to come back next week. Yeah. We've had more time to think about the, the actually when we're really reflecting on the season. Yeah. And we're going to do, I, I'm going to make us do our high point and low point. Possibly not in that order. Cause that's, that's bad for the, <laughs> the overall feel of the podcast. When you keep finishing on a low note. Uh, <laughs> uh, we actually, we got another question on that note. Uh, from Lauren Simmons at Lauren Dorfman, but the biggest surprise of the season, biggest disappointment. Do you want to save that as well? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that'll be like, will that be 
what is that sorry who was that from lauren simmons okay because we have the one from brian that i think is a repeat of last week's question what's the one thing jays fans flipped on the most this season uh saunders being bad or the half contract being good like did they completely reverse opinions on i think we can answer that one now i think he kind of got them didn't he i think he's right i think i mean you could say the estrada contract because that was no, also in everyone doubt, but... was okay with his draw of contract when that was signed. Nobody was upset about two years, twenty six million for that guy after what he did last year. So yeah, yeah, Hap was maybe, yeah, maybe Bautista must sign versus eh, maybe he can go. Yeah, um, something popped into my head and it went. Oh, that's good. It's obviously which is great audio we're doing right now. Oh man, gripping <laughs> stuff, gripping. Uh, this is what happens when shambles. we put this hand in the hands of the listeners. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't even know which questions to ask. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll move. Yeah, I, I would actually tend to agree with his his assessments. And then Saunders, I don't know. Is in the end though, is Saunders good or bad? Yes. Yes, he's he's both. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can't make so up our I mind. Know- yeah, we're not going to save all these questions till next week just because we're probably going to get more of the same. But I would like – maybe we should uh, touch on these ones here. These are talking about the outfield situation essentially. You know, If the Jays have issues finding outfielders, who gets more playing time, Alford or Carrera? No, that's from John LeBeau at Big Nice John. Yes. Uh, I think Carrera gets more time because Alford's not going to be ready, right? This is my guess. Yeah, I mean Alford – didn't even play in double a this year really he got like a handful of games and was hurt a lot yeah he's there's no chance that alfred is starting the season now if he said dalton pompey it might have been a competition what happened to dalton pompey that's a whole he podcast kept getting injured that happens a lot down there but in addition to it getting does. injured when he came back he didn't uh didn't knock on the door really no did he get into the alcs did he pinch run? I don't think he did. No, I'm not sure he did either, actually. Should have run today. But uh, <laughs> And then one more of these from Brian Dowhaniak at Broccoli94. Who do you see making an impact on next year's team that's already in our system? Any significant offseason trades? Well, we can't answer the latter question. I, I expect there are going to be some trades. But oh, yes. in terms of guys that are in the system... I mean, it basically is Pompey and maybe a guy like Connor Green or Rowdy Tellez makes a little bit of an impact, but there's not a lot of the top levels. No. Mind you, if we go back and talk to uh, Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, he would say there are probably a couple of guys who we've never never really uh, got on our radar who will make some kind of a difference, even if it's as a uh, as a reliever. Yeah, I guess it depends on the kind of what you're talking about when you say impact. Uh, you know, a guy comes up and pitches – a few games, you know, 10, 15 outings in relief, that's an impact. It's just not a huge one. Yeah, if I, I would say if anybody's looking at, okay, well, who in the system is, you know, going to be uh, knocking on the door, go go take a look at um, the Fisher Cats and their best players. Because the, the guys in AAA are there more often than not for emergencies, and they're kind of a mix of former major leaguers and guys trying to get one last kick at the can and rejects and everything else. The actual prospects tend to end up at the level below that. And the Blue Jays love to dip down into double A to go get somebody still, even though they don't have the Las Vegas 51's problem of 
yeah, of the insane offensive environment there. Uh, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Uh, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans six. Oh, did you have another one in your category? Well, I mentioned that one that she does. Oh no, no, sorry. Go ahead. I did not mention that one. That's a good one. Uh, in your opinion, why do the Jays always get heat for misbehaving? Yet Cleveland can act immature and cocky with no media pushback. Is this a reference to Trevor Bauer? <laughs> <laughs> well, the simplest answer is that they won. Right? I mean, the Jays were getting listed as making excuses or saying things you shouldn't when you're down. If the Jays were winning, it would not have been as bad. But the also flip answer is that, uh, you know, the Jays have a reputation for this. Yeah. First of all, you know, Jose Bautista gets a lot of hate around the league for, you know, the way he acts on the field. It's kind of silly. Josh Johnson, bit of the same. So that's why. I mean, they've, the people have reported this on this before, so they would do it louder when they reported it again. It's like the, the never dying man in white thing. It, right. It, there hasn't been any actual developments on that front in three and or four years yet. There's nothing else to talk about when you're a national journalist because you haven't had time or, or energy or whatever to research the team in any depth. So you, you take the low-hanging fruit. And Bautista is quotable. You give him that. Yeah. I mean, he's a reporter's dream. Yeah. All you so, got to do is show up. You know, he's a smart a guy who talks, right? He says his mind. He's not, you know, not, you know we come to win. We're going to try hard. He gives you quotes. <laughs> And then we got a couple last questions, just basically about off-season strategy. This is from John Leggett at John Q. Legs. Obviously irreplaceable, but if Joey and Eddie leave, what strategies can we look for Shapiro's to employ to fill the void? And then we got a different one, which was basically asking the same thing. Will they? This is from Jason at Max Vista, Max Vista 13. Will they sign another starting pitcher? Probably not. Will anyone from the minor league come up full time? We touched that. And then who will slash should they sign? And then he said, beer me. <laughs> you can have a virtual beer, but we really don't. I don't know how that tastes. We'll reply with an emoji. <laughs> okay. A, a verbal emoji. No, I'm confused now. Okay. Uh, who will should they sign? As we've touched on before, they're, the first two guys they're going to go after are their own guys, really, is Encarnacion and Bautista after they've tested the market and seen what's out there. Do we still agree on that assessment? Yeah, and I think there's a good chance they'll go after Brett Cecil again as well. Um, and then if you're... I don't know. Free agent classes get really... It's it's tough to predict because every other team is going to jump at the best free agents as well. So in like yeah, three I mean, weeks, like the, we don't know who's The Jays could say... You could say the Jays want to go after Mike Napoli, but he might even make it a free agency. Cleveland might give him a quick extension. You know, this yeah. guy's like Beltran, Holiday. That could be nice DHs, but you know, it's just it, free agency is very hard to predict. So they'll try to do trades. They'll try to do free agency, but the team is going to look different for sure. And I don't think the team is going to have a, a payroll shrinkage. By there's been no hint of that at all. Everything has come up that a payroll is the same or increasing. Which I mean, obviously it has to be because arbitration awards and everything else. It certainly can't shrink by a whole lot. But but there, there's been not yet anyway there's been no crying poor about how the team's done because they drew three million fans and they drew a billion eyeballs on the tv this year so this is the kind of team you want to be a fan of but that doesn't mean that there is an unlimited amount of resources available there's only so many players out there yeah 
Uh, I, I do agree. trust those guys, Shapiro and um, Atkins, to be smart about who they sign. Remember, the team that you are that just beat the Blue Jays is the one they built. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, go figure. Uh, do we have any more? No, I think that's enough because we got some of those like mood and best worst things that we're going to get to in our season wrap. All right, sounds like a plan. Uh, all right, I have a brief do-over. It's not a do-over of great confidence, but it is a humorous do-over. Uh, I lack the audio at the moment, but they did on the national broadcast. As we pointed out, they don't often research things as well as even Buck and Tabby do. Uh, there was a comment the other night with runner on <laughs> second that both Ezekiel Carrera and Jose Bautista had excellent above average outfield arms we all yeah who when Uh, okay so first of all i have no idea where the idea that carrera has an above average outfield arm came from none at all whatsoever i've never seen him make an above average throw in his entire two-year stint in toronto so that's complete i'm confused second jose bautista used to have an excellent throwing arm but as the Statcast people have told us, a hard throw from Jose Bautista right now is about 84 miles an hour and two hops. And I love Jose Bautista to death, but we all know exactly the moment when he destroyed his shoulder and uh, he's never been the same since. So I don't know how they missed that either. So guys, watch, just watch the last important throw the guy made and ask yourself... Did it look like it was a good throw or even an average throw? And if not, just hold off on the comments about whose outfield arms are what. That's easy. Isn't it, it just sort of fits with the common theme, like them talking about the great postseason innings that Aaron Sanchez threw in 2014. <laughs> when he wasn't in the postseason. He wasn't even in the big leagues. Uh, yeah. So I think TBS, you know, their entire broadcast could, could get shot into the sun, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel bad at all. <laughs> Actually, I lied. He was in the big leagues, but yeah, he's—they're terrible. They're the worst. And they get to do it again next year. Woo! Yay! But they'll have the NL next year. So if we get, if we make it, we won't have to deal with them. Here's hoping. Uh, so what, my my good friend? Uh, do you have as a final thought? You know, my final thought is basically. Last year, when it ended, I was devastated. Like I, I could not believe that they had lost. They they stranded the runners on third, the Pompey on third, and it really felt like they were going to come back and beat the Royals. This time, you know, they didn't choke away a game like they did in game two in that series. They just lost. And it sucks, but it's like I'm actually – I can look back and say, yeah, that was a pretty good season. And, and the best team won. It's – yeah, they were. You're right. They they were just outplayed, and and again, uh, there are 30 teams every year. In in my mind, my final thought, and 29 of them go home disappointed at the end of October, early November. So to be one of the last four teams to end up with that disappointment, I, I'll take my chances on being one of those four teams rather than and and I've I've retweeted some other people who are talking about like. Ty Tobenheim and and Marcus uh, uh, Sean Markham mopping up games at the end of September. I, I don't 
I, I would never trade that for this, even though this is disappointing. This is disappointing in so much of a better way. Yeah. Name day. So, in that respect, we say maybe next year we will be back here. But until then, this has been episode number 34 of the Artificial Turf Wars podcast. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. You have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. And we will talk to you with our season wrap-up next week. We'll meet again. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. But I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling through just like you always do till the blue skies drive the dark clouds far away. And will you please say hello to the folks that I know? Tell them that I won't be long. And they'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song.